Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben. Belly smokes. Hunter. Yo. We doing belly. Yeah. It's Monday. My favorite day of the week. I know you had a hell of a weekend, so I'm sure things are grim for you today. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk. We're going to talk about a couple things over the weekend, but we'll get to that later. Oh, good. I wonder what's going to be included and discluded. I'm interested to find out. Uh, let's take it over to our other guests, John and Bowshot. How we doing, boys? Well, just want to clarify. One of us is a guest. Shut up, guest. Yeah, sorry. I, I, that was my bad. Just missed You're one such a dick. <laughs> well, what's up, Bosh? Thanks for coming on, man. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me back. Glad to, glad to be here. Honored to be uh, after week one. Yes, sir. And you pick a darling week to come on post Chiefs game. And John and I were both watching at Isaac's domain, too. And baby, that was a hell of a game to kick off the 2023 season. Absolutely, dude. I was glad you guys could come over. We had a good little squad for it. Can't ask for much more than beating the defending champs at their uh, banner ceremony. Wasn't the prettiest win, but dub's a dub. Indeed it is. And nobody can say otherwise. And Belly, John, like I said, there's going to be people who are like, oh, there's no Travis Kelsey. There's no Chris Jones. Like, that's an asterisk win. And what happened during the broadcast? Mike Tirico says this is an asterisk win. And then you'll have a lot of national media who agreed, like, it is a win. But then there were some assholes like Pete Prisco, too, I saw, who was saying it was an asterisk win. The Lions would have never won without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. And I say, boo fucking who? Do you know how many games I've seen us lose because of a bullshit referee call or an injury? A win's a win. Like you said, Bowshot. I'm not going to make any excuses. We play who we play. I can't help that they didn't want to pay Chris Jones until today. I can't help that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee in practice. All I know is our boys showed up and we took their cookies from them. It's good, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good win. Hard-fought battle. I, I thought it was a sloppy game on both sides, but hey, take the W and run with it. Yeah, I mean, it's week one. It's not going to be perfect, you know. You can't really expect everyone to be in mid-season form, Chiefs included. You saw a lot of the rust getting shaken off week one. I think that was kind of spread throughout the entire NFL. Yeah, I think that was my biggest takeaway from watching the rest of the games on Sunday was after watching Chiefs-Lions on Thursday, going through all the games with some of the worst teams like the Texans and the Panthers and seeing just how sloppy some of the teams were and some of the mistakes um, made me feel a lot better about the Lions um, kind of with a couple days a couple days to think about it because I mean there was some sloppiness but overall like even though the refs weren't calling any of the false starts it really wasn't that like, like a game plagued by penalties um, the Lions just played good defense and especially in the second half wins a win I don't know I don't have much more to say about it yep yeah, but I just wanted to say, I told you so, because I don't seek these people out, but they find a way to weasel their way into my life. There is a same old Lions crowd out there. There are people who want to see us fail. And I'm just saying, here we are. I called this shit. I called it last week. You heard it here. John, you were with me too with the Travis Kelsey. Bowshot, I know that you were riding high on the Lions money line too. I'm just so happy that we actually got this win. Everybody heard the hype. They didn't believe it, and now we are on the scene. 
You know, you can make your excuses on, you know, why the Chiefs lost. There was drop passes. They didn't have their second and third best players. It's true. They didn't have them. But you know what? We were out. We were without some key pieces on our team, too. I mean, we had some drops. We had that fumble at the goal line, and we overcame it. And I said, good teams find a way to win in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what we did. It's just a huge step from last season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was pretty amazing to see how little little help uh, Patrick Mahomes has without Travis Kelsey out there. I mean, Rasheed Rice looks pretty good, but other than that, I mean, pretty rough. I mean, you know what they say, when you're a good quarterback like that, you elevate the players around you. You know what I mean? They've been saying it about Aaron Rodgers too, which is their justification for not giving him the weapons that he wanted in Green Bay. So, I mean, then you've got Jared Goff. I mean, with really just Amon Ross St. Brown with Jamison Williams gone. I mean, Jameer Gibbs had a great first game. Laporta's a rookie too, but we've got Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones. I mean, they're nice players, but by no means are they about to take over a game. So, I mean, we got it done and Patrick Mahomes wasn't able to. That's what it comes down to. He's still the best quarterback in the world right now. And it feels really good to have that validation that we are here. We are one of the best teams in the NFL we actually have a legit shot at winning the NFC this year. You're saying favorite for the NFC or NFC North? I'm saying NFC, NFC North. Okay, because I agree with John. We're the favorite for the NFC North. I wouldn't say we're the favorite for the NFC just yet. We're up there. We're, we're getting there. I'd say top three. Uh, probably still the Eagles. Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, they all look good. You know, I would put them up there. It's going to take a little bit of luck once we get into the dance. You know, like it's just, it depends on the bounce of the ball. Anything can happen once you get into the playoffs. We just have to string together a couple of wins. This regular season is really about getting as many wins we can to hopefully lock down that number one seed for a favorable matchup in the playoffs because that home field advantage is going to be very, very important once we get to the postseason. So look at me speaking like the postseason is already assumption. I'm not going to go that far just yet. I'm very, very, very confident, and week one solidified that belief. So let's hop into the rest of the podcast, though. We'll recap the Lions-Chiefs game in depth. We're also bringing back the game ball and the burning bag of dog shit. Everybody's favorite. It's coming back after the preview. Or sorry, the recap. And then we'll have the week two preview versus the Seahawks. Betting with the belly. We'll go over our bets from last week and make some new ones for this week. We've got our Survivor League update, our Fantasy Survivor, another Bowels of the Belly, and a Corbin How Bad Do You Want It. we got a jam-packed episode for you this week, folks. So let's hop right into it. Lions went to Kansas City. The spread opened up at 6.5, and and before game time, it was down to 4.5. This was even after the Travis Kelsey news got announced, uh, like a day or I think the day of the game. Uh, the Lions were sitting at five and a half. It eventually got down all the way to four and a half. So that's a two-point swing. That's pretty pretty drastic. You don't see that too often. And the final score, Lions 21, Chiefs 20. Don't need to respect them with that Chief name anymore. But uh, We'll talk about Jared Goff first. Um, and I thought that he worked really well under pressure. You saw him picking up a lot of blitzes. And another thing that I noticed was in the uh, post-game um, locker room speech with Dan Campbell. He broke down the huddle, and you can just see a fire in his eyes, and you could see that leadership starting to come out. I feel like he actually has some swag now and you know confidence in himself and in this team and where we're going. 
Uh, he made a really good throw in that fourth quarter to Josh Reynolds. I don't know if you remember when he just dropped it in the bucket in between three defenders, but that was one of the sexiest throws that I'd seen all night, and he's going up against Patrick Mahomes, so that's saying something. And also the last tidbit that I wanted to mention is he's had 359 consecutive passing attempts without an interception. That's the third longest streak in NFL history. So it just shows you that Jared Goff has been taking care of the ball for over a year now. He's been very efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over, and that's exactly what we need in a Ben Johnson offense. That's actually crazy. I had no idea that he was third longest ever. Yeah all time yeah i think i think he's probably only 20 to 30 away from second longest and then i think the longest one um is still a ways out but um like if he doesn't throw a pick next week there's a chance he moves into the second spot only 402 passes that's the longest okay so he could do it in a game if he if he threw 43 passes yeah so i mean 44 passes he would do it if he goes another game or two, he'll he'll get there. In terms of like fantasy, I mean, I guess you couldn't say like he played a, a crazy good game or anything. It was sixty three percent completion percentage, two hundred fifty three yards and a touchdown. Clean game though. Only took one sack on the day, um, so he was very efficient. We had a couple of drops as well. And when you're going against the reigning Super Bowl champs, you got to be perfect. And you know he was as close to perfect as we needed him to be. That was. He did what he had to do to get it done and get out with the W. I mean, he didn't put the team on his back. We relied on our playmakers. We relied on our run game, and we relied on our defense. He did enough that we needed to get the win. So hats off to Jared Goff because a lot of people even said, like, yeah, we got Hendon Hooker coming, and we need to be drafting a quarterback in the first round. Uh, I'm still on team pay Jared Goff in this offseason. If he keeps going on this pace that he is, there's no reason why he shouldn't be getting 45 to $50 million a year going forward. He's still pretty young, and as you can see from that locker room speech, he wants to take on that leadership role. He believes in this team. He appreciates that this regime gave him a second chance after Sean McVay basically kicked him to the curb. So I'm rooting for Jared Goff, man. I mean, even so more so than last year. I think he's done really well for himself here in Detroit. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with you, Corb, there on wanting to make him the long-term quarterback or at least giving him another contract if he continues playing like this. Like if he goes another season around 30 touchdowns, less than 10 picks like last year, takes care of the rock, people forget that he got to a Super Bowl. Like I, I feel like everyone just kind of conveniently leaves that part out. It It doesn't help him that the year after he left, the Rams won the Super Bowl, um, but like there's only what probably four or five quarterbacks not named Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Nick Brees, M- Manning to to win. Yeah, well I said like yeah a couple that outside of those big three that have dominated the NFL for 25 years, um, and so it's it's rare that you find a guy who's gonna get you there at all if that's not like a big name who can just maintain and be kind of that field general take care of the ball and like you said in a ben johnson offense it's always going to be run centric play action centric just has to make the right reads make the right throws and i did that today or on thursday he's always been a, a excelling in the play action game that's kind of always been his strength so fits well with ben johnson and i he's only 28 like I, I totally agree. Coming into this season, I was getting more and more like, man, maybe we should just pay him. 
And I don't think either, I mean, I could be way off on this. I know like every contract seems to be the next highest paid guy, but I don't think he's going to demand like ridiculous 60 money. Million. Like Corbin said. Yeah, like 45 mil, 45 to 50 mil, which by the time all these other young guys end up signing those contracts, that's going to look like, I mean, what did Burrow get? What's Burrow's yearly? I don't know. I think it was like 55, 60, something like that. I mean, if Daniel Jones is a 40 million quarterback and Joe Burrow is a 60 mil, Jared Goff, we could give him 45 to 50, just like you said. I don't think he's going to be asking for anything higher than that. By the time the contract's coming to an end, it's going to be looking good. But like you said, it's all about this year, too, because we, we have talked about how he's a good quarterback in a Ben Johnson offense. I don't want to look too far forward, but if we were to lose Ben Johnson, you know, what does is, what is Goff look like in a, in a different offense? But... Yeah, and it was fifty-five million for Joe Burrow, so I think forty-five to fifty million is probably the mark. Even though it would be probably taking place next off season when the market jumps up, once you know cap space is revealed. But you know he is a little bit older. You know he's not a top five, you know, young quarterback anymore. But he's you know a top fifteen, top ten guy from what we've seen. You know the past couple of years here. So I'm all on board for it. We need a guy who can be that consistent hand and he has just been the model of consistency he might not you know win you games but he is certainly not going to lose you games and with the team that we put around him I think we have enough to be competitive in every single game against any opponent so again good job to Jared Goff I think we're all on the same page with that and we're rooting for him next week against the Seahawks when we had a an absolute shootout last year so let's move on to the uh the running backs here David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs stole the show David Montgomery was the lead back. He had 21 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. We did not use him in the passing game at all. He had zero catches. And Jameer Gibbs is sorry. And then Jameer Gibbs, his rookie debut, had seven carries, 42 yards, six yards per carry, two catches for 18 yards. And he was actually pretty electric, honestly. Like he was a real nice change of pace. And what really surprised me was his contact, balance, and power. I mean, you saw him break. I think he had six missed tackles in the game. Um, he even slipped in the red zone on the, on a carry in the first quarter. Amon Ross scored on the very next play, but he would have been in for a touchdown. So he had some really nice burst and speed. We knew that, but that surprising power and contact balance is really nice to see, even in just game one with limited touches. And then David Montgomery, he was just pounding the rock. You know, he's not going to have those electric plays like Jameer Gibbs, but I think he's a step up from Jamal Williams, certainly. You know, nothing huge, but he was very consistent falling forward. We were getting three, four yards of carry with him every time. That, that almost Gibbs touchdown, man. Ooh, that would have been so sweet. Well, I'm in rock at it anyway, so no matter. But better for my fantasy team. <laughs> in the run game, I was, I was excited to see Gibbs. Um, it really was kind of like black and white thunder and lightning. Monty was the inside guy. Gibbs was the outside guy. Um, I'd like to see us use them both in the each other's roles going forward so that it kind of keeps teams on their toes a little bit. Um, but from what we did see of Gibbs, um, which I was surprised, honestly, that how little he played and how little he was on the field. Um, but what, from what we did see of him, yeah, like you said, Corbin was electric. Um, he's going to have a lot to live up to for his how high we drafted him. Um, if he can play like that. And like you said, the, I was really surprised at how hard he was to tackle. Um, and not just from like a shifty standpoint, um, lowered his shoulders on a couple guys, but like his 
balance was incredible going forward. Um, so I'm just excited to see, see us use him more, and I'd like to see us use him more. I, th- I think it's kind of just a matter of him being a rookie, them working him into the offense still, and picking it slowly so that later in the season he's still healthy, still fresh, and once he's got the offense more dialed in, they can really make a push with him. And and you saw that too with the Falcons' usage of Bijan. Like Tyler Algier was very involved in the rushing attack for the Falcons. You know, obviously Bijan went, I think it was, what, seven, eight maybe? Can't remember the exact spot, but he was a little bit more limited too, and that was more of like a timeshare with uh, him and Bijan. Um, same thing with Gibbs, you know, David Montgomery. We kind of knew he was going to be that between-the-tackles guy. And, you know, I wouldn't say that Jameer Gibbs was absolutely perfect. There were some rookie mistakes there. I remember there was one play where there was a uh, a misdirection. We had a pulling guard, and there was a hole right to the left side of the guard, wide open. Mm-hmm. If he would have hit it, it would have been like a 10-15 yard, maybe even more gain. Instead, he tried to bounce it outside. He was tackled for no gain or maybe even a loss. So, I mean, there's some vision things to clear up there. I'm sure there was some game one nerves. But Dan Campbell even said after the game that he plans to get him more involved week two moving forward. So, Yeah, and I mean, I kind of knew going into it that based on how they last year treated Williams and Swift. I think a lot of us, even though Swift couldn't stay healthy, a lot of us wanted to see him used more because he was dynamic when he had the ball. Um, and so maybe they're just trying to be a little bit more protective um, of Gibbs and, and ease him in. Um, Cause I do think once he has the ball in his hand, he's a, he's a game changer. We can use both of them on the field at the same time. There were a couple of packages where they were both on the field. So I feel like that's always such a myth. Oh, we're always like, no, well, I just like in general, I feel like people are all, or teams are always like, man, they got these two good running backs. Think of if we put them both on the field and teams generally just want to use them in a timeshare for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll throw them out there, but. Well, it's Ben Johnson and he's a mad scientist back there. So maybe he didn't even show her a whole hand and the, the best is yet to come. We will see. We've got a long season ahead of us here, but enough about the running backs. Let's hop into some of our receivers and tight ends here. Obviously the, the best player of the game that we had uh, in terms of making plays was Amon Ra St. Brown. He's just as steady as they come. And, you know, the team had some struggles with drops from uh, Marvin Jones and from Josh Reynolds, but Amon Ra just sure-handed as ever. Sam Laporta looked really good, too. He had five catches, uh, like 30-some yards, so, you know, not the best game in terms of yardage, but he was reliable, a good, you know, dump-off option for us. Amon Ra had six catches for 71 and a touchdown. And outside of the drops, Josh Reynolds had a pretty good game. He had uh, four catches for 80 yards. So liked what I saw in him. Obviously got to clean up those drops. Marvin Jones, he does have to clean up his issues. You know, he had his first career fumble. Um, and I think like two or three drops. And Reynolds had one or two drops as well. Um, but the one thing I liked out of Reynolds is there was one play, I think it was in the fourth quarter, um, maybe on like the last second or, or final drive that we had, where he ran a, a hook route and he just has a real good sense for where the defense is. I remember seeing it last year. He just knows they're to his right. And so he looks like he's spinning right, but then he'll come out to his left and just keep going for another 20 yards. He might not have that breakaway speed, um, but he looked really good overall, honestly. I mean, he had a good productive game. Obviously, drops, they're going to happen every now and then, but we can't make it a habit. You guys were ready to crucify Marvin Jones. I was not. I had his back. I said, hey, like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Like, he has been, (laughs) you 
you know, in the past 10 years, one of the best receivers that we've had for this franchise. And just because he has one bad game, his very first career fumble, everybody just says, like, send him to the glue factory, and I'm not in that crowd. I guess it's just the effect of being in a room with, like, nine diehard Lions fans. Yeah, they're going to go for the guy who makes the mistake in the moment because every, every drive and every play feels, you know, such high stakes. I think f- for us in our wide receiver room, this game especially highlighted to me that we're basically one Amon Ra injury away from not having, potentially not having any weapons really on the outside. Um, you know, I think once JMO comes back, I think we'll see um, the offense open up a ton more. I think that was like the main thing I felt like we were missing. I said, I think I said it to you, Corbin and Eric, when we were watching, like as soon as JMO's back, even if he's not getting the ball, if he's just running like verts and drawing a corner, drawing a safety and opening up the rest of the field, that's when I feel like Sam Laporta um, and some of these other guys are really going to take off is because there's going to be so much attention paid to the guy who's, if you don't pay any attention to him, is wide open down the field and where Amon Ra is. And now there's all these other guys. I feel like we're just really missing that vertical threat right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, we definitely are. I mean, Marvin Jones isn't the deep threat that he used to be. You know, Josh Reynolds, I mean, he's a great route runner and stuff. But JMO does bring something different to the team. And so, yeah, like you said, I mean, if he could just pull that safety over a couple of feet, you know, get the eyes on him, it's going to be open for Amon Ra and Sam Laporta and those guys who like the underneath stuff. Uh, I mean, a little bit more about Laporta. Honestly, like I thought that it was a really good game, not only in the receiving game, but he was a great blocker too. He pancaked a defensive tackle down on the goal line. I can't remember what quarter it was, but I remember seeing that highlight I mean, he's a bully. He is probably a better blocker now than Hawkinson ever was. And we played him 83% of the snaps. So he's looking pretty developed as a blocker and as a receiver already. I mean, he seems like a three-down tight end for us. Sure, you'll have Brock right in there, give him a breather. He's a rookie. But I was pretty impressed with his usage this game. Pretty high snap rate. I mean, that obviously they trust him in the blocking game to use him that much. Yeah, and I feel like Ben Ben Johnson loves his his two tight end sets. Even the other time that uh, Brock Wright got his number called, he had a couple catches. Um, so I think Ben loves his two tight end sets. And if Sam has consistent games like this, he's going to be a, an absolute monster. Because you're right, he, I think he had the pancake on the um, David Montgomery touchdown. It was on the touchdown? Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yep, just came through and blew his man up. We just need that vertical threat. I mean... Once that comes back, it just opens everything else up. Reynolds is great on a post route, but you don't want him out on the sideline or vertical. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs were bringing a lot of pressure, too, without Chris Jones. Goff was blitzed, I think, like 40% of the time, something like that. So, I mean, we had to make quick throws. We didn't really have that time in the pocket to, you know, find those those deep options a lot of the time. I think it'll get better as we go. Um, Our offensive line, on the other hand, was fantastic. They only allowed one sack the whole entire game. Really great job in picking up those blitzes, like I mentioned. Did it, you know, their job of protecting Goff. And when they really needed to move some men late in the game in the run game, like on that final drive where we had, you know, it was a two-minute warning, Chiefs had three timeouts, we were just bullying them. We got three yards every single time. We got the job done. So it was nice to see all of our starters actually playing together for once. You know, everybody came out without a serious injury. 
know, Vitae was out for the entire year last year. We were kind of subbing guys in at guard. And then Frank, too, with his toe injury. So it's good to see that, you know, other than maybe some nicks and bruises, everyone, for the most part, escaped without any issues. Yeah, that was that was huge. Uh, I think I saw a stat that when when they're in the pocket and not rushed, Goff was like the second most accurate passer all of last season. So if you can give that give him a pocket, uh, which they did on Thursday, he's going to make the right throw and take care of the ball. Um I know Chris Jones wasn't in the game, but it's still the same defense that just won the Super Bowl. Like they're, you don't win the Super Bowl if your defense isn't good. So that's still a good defense. Um, and like you said, yeah, we we did what we wanted to in the run game when we had to do it, and kind of just controlled the possession down the stretch. We really did control that ball when we were on offense. You know, kept the game in our hands as opposed to Patrick Mahomes, which is not an easy thing to do. You know, everybody knows him as the guy who only needs 13 seconds. And, you know, we ran that clock out. We didn't get the ball back to him. So let's move on to our defensive performance because hats off to Aaron Glenn and this defensive unit, you know, going from the second to worst defense in the entire league last year to holding the Chiefs to 20 points is nothing short of spectacular. I really think it started with our defensive line and the pressure that we were able to put on Mahomes throughout the entire game. We still definitely need to work on containing the quarterback because you saw those issues last year with Daniel Jones and Justin Fields mostly. Patrick Mahomes is just such a sneaky quarterback to go against. I'm sure it's easier said than done just because he's not the fastest, but can just keep his eyes downfield and sense where those defenders are so he can make the pass or he can just slip through make it 10 yards and slide you know like it was really really a tough task to just bottle him up but guys like Aiden Hutchinson he didn't have any sacks but at the same time he applied consistent pressure even though Jawan Taylor is a cheater, they were double teaming him, triple teaming him sometimes. He still found a way to make Mahomes step up in the pocket or step sideways. And maybe he lost that split second that he would have used to hit his receiver in stride. So we didn't make it easy for him. And we did a great job against the run too. Only 3.2 yards per carry for the running backs. Mahomes was their leading rusher with 45 yards, but Pacheco, McKinnon, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, they really couldn't get anything going. Defensive line had seven pressures. Uh, five on third and fourth down and that's per PFF and Hutchinson also played 91% of snaps too. So we're going to see him almost full time last year. It was kind of at that 70, 80% snap mark. Um, but we pretty much kept him on the field, the duration of the game. So he's a true three down player. We moved him around on the line and they really didn't have an answer for him. Even the, with those double and triple teams, he was still getting to Mahomes half the time. Mahomes has that, uh, Madden awareness level at a hundred. He is just like impossible to touch. He always knows exactly, and it's only like one or two steps in the pocket. He's always out of the way. He's always just faster than he needs to be. Get to that first down marker, and he's going to stick the hand out and step out of bounds or waddle out of bounds. But yeah, I mean, the D-line, like you said, still, I mean, Hutch really looks just so powerful when he rushes. And yeah, he didn't he didn't get one this game, but against someone who's actually lined up legally, I think we're gonna be looking pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I was listening to uh, I think it was Tim Twentyman's podcast, and he had a Chiefs beat writer um, 
as a guest, and that guy said that this offensive line that the Chiefs had is probably the best um, pass-blocking offensive line that they've had in the Mahomes era. Um, and he did mention that Juwan Taylor's get-off is, is really good and it's going to look like a false start every time, but some of those were pretty egregious. But besides that, my like I feel like my main takeaway from watching this game was like against some teams that aren't the Chiefs, our defensive line is going to dominate. Like Mahomes, like you like you guys just said, Mahomes is already you know elite, probably one of the best in the league at avoiding pressure and avoiding sacks. Um, and it's a good offensive line, and we were still in their face every single play. Um, I think Hutch has an insane motor on him. He was like every play was just wreaking havoc out there. And I think when we play like the Seahawks next week, who might not even have their two starting tackles. Uh, Geno Smith's going to be in for a long day. Yes, sir. He'll get that sack next week. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident in that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, take the over on that uh, .5 next week, Tory. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got uh, linebackers. Anzalone was uh, kind of the mainstay of the group, but we rotated in Barnes, Campbell, and Rodrigo in that order. Um, pretty even balance, I'd say. Barnes and Campbell definitely had the lion's share of the uh, the second linebacker snaps. Rodrigo was in there quite a bit as well. Um, Anzalone and Jack Campbell had pass breakups. Jack Campbell in particular, I was really impressed with his range on that one breakup. I can't remember who it was against. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Barnes playing that second linebacker role, he looked good too, stopping the run. But Jack Campbell was so damn impressive. It's going to be tough to keep him off the field, and I think those two might uh, swap the uh, snap share counts coming in against the Seahawks so we can really put Campbell to the test, hold his feet to the fire, and see what we got. I, I loved the way he adjusted on that pass breakup. It was, really, it was like nice fluid motion. Yeah, he covered a lot of ground. I'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anzalone doesn't quite move like that. A little more vertical. Yeah, he did have some good plays in coverage, too. I mean, I, everyone thinks that Alex Anzalone is just kind of like, you know, the veteran guy, the leader, but he is smart. Like, he did have some issues with, you know, not being able to make sound tackles early last season, but he was pretty solid against the Chiefs. I liked what I saw from him this time around. Yeah, I think it's more it's more just as physical that he lacks, you know, mentally he's strong. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times with with linebacker play, like that's for me anyway. It's it's easy to sometimes forget that they're there, and if you don't notice them really, like then they're doing their job. They're filling the holes. They're doing some of the stuff that's you know on on pass plays. They're they're covering the tight ends and the running backs and um, who aren't always the first reads. And so if they're doing their job, you don't notice them as much. And I feel like that's a lot of times with Anzalone is you only notice him when he messes up because you're not watching him when he does all the right stuff. But then the last group I want to talk about are defensive backs. And holy cow, the improvement from last year is just night and day. We got Brian Branch with the touchdown as a rookie coming off Patrick Mahomes' very first game. That was incredible. I mean, I know that it was a drop pass. It was tipped up. Still to have that, you know, the ability to react to the ball like that and then take it to the house. Good work on him. I mean, I love Brian Branch coming in. I thought he should have been a first round rounder. I think I mocked him there a couple of times to the Lions when we uh, did our mock drafts in the offseason. Jerry Jacobs was really good against the run, solid in coverage. Kirby did have a missed tackle in the open field, but uh, he was protecting well against the deep ball, really stopped Patrick Mahomes, made him throw those underneath routes. And then CJGJ, too. I mean, the signing 
it was well spent to give him that money, even if it's just for a year. I hope that we can get him back. He was all over the place making stops in the run game. He had that beautiful pass breakup on Sky Moore on the Chiefs' final drive where he had it caught, and then he just slaps it away. And then he did drop that one interception that would have essentially put the game on ice. But we ended up turn, you know, turning it over on downs for the Chiefs anyways. So more than one way to skin a cat, and we got it done. But I wanted to say that pass interference call on Cam Sutton in the third quarter was absolutely weak. It flipped the field, and everyone was saying, oh, we pushed him. No, he touched him. He had his hand on his back. He had one on his arm. But the rule is you can't manipulate the receiver. You can have your hands on them, but you can't influence their direction. I didn't see it. And then the way the game that was being called all game, obviously the refs wanted to let the guys play first game of the season. They don't want to ruin it with a bunch of flags. That was a crazy call, honestly. I mean, you could call pass interference on everything, but he really didn't impact the receiver much, in my opinion. So and the last story out of the defensive back group, Tracy Walker, our old captain and starter, no defensive snaps whatsoever. And I don't think that's a testament to his injury or, you know, like a performance issue with him or anything. I think it's just we can't keep guys like Brian Branch off the field. CJ GJ did great. Kirby's great. It's just a numbers thing, and we really don't have a spot for him. We just are incredibly deep at safety to the point where we couldn't even give him one snap on defense. So I thought that was wild when I saw that. That surprises me because I, I guess I wasn't necessarily watching specifically for him, but there was a period where Brian Branch got hurt. Um, was it like cramping or whatever, and he didn't come in at all during that? Or It was Will Harris who came in, took a couple snaps at oh, nickel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Well, that's just how it's sorted. I mean, you would have think thought maybe that Tracy would have came in, CJ would have moved uh, nickel, but no, we rolled with Will Harris. So he did play some special team snaps and stuff, and he is still a good leader. He'll, so he'll play. He'll play throughout the year. I mean, these guys get banged up, um, and he, like you said, he's still a good player. Like he'll 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 get his snaps. Yeah. We'll move on here to the uh, the coaching staff, starting with Dan, the man Campbell himself. I thought that he coached a hell of a game. Obviously, to get a win in Kansas City, you have to do something right. Went for it on fourth down a couple of times, including, I think, the first drive of the game. No, second drive of the game when we went for it on fourth and two in our own territory. Jalen Reeves, Mabin, our special teams captain, converting on that two-yard run. I think it's his first career carry. That was impressive. One problem that I had was we accepted a penalty, which would have made it third. That made it third and seventeen instead of fourth and seven, and the Chiefs ended up converting that. So I mean, I say just you know let them roll the dice on fourth and seven and see what happens. You're giving Patrick Mahomes two downs to get it done. Those are kind of scary situations to be in. In hindsight, you know everybody can be perfect, but um, and for those of you who are saying that the coaches need to do a better job at holding Jawan Taylor accountable with his penalties throughout the game. Just check out Mitchell Schwartz's Twitter. I think that he explains it pretty well. If you remember last year in the Chargers-Jaguars playoff game, you remember seeing Joey Bosa just flipping out and screaming. It was because of Jawan Taylor's movement on the line and his alignment on the off the line of scrimmage. That's what he was getting so pissed off about. And I think that the Chiefs realized that this referee is the same guy because they played the Jags too. And they saw the same thing. 
that crew apparently just doesn't make those calls. They, you know, every crew is a little bit different. So a little bit of gamesmanship on the chiefs, recognizing that this specific crew wasn't going to, you know, throw flags on those, but you know, nothing wrong with trying to time up the snap. Now, sometimes he was definitely off sides and the call was missed, but you'll see that around the league. Lane Johnson's another guy who's really good at doing that. That's just, you know, a pretty veteran move to get that get off before uh, edge defender has time to react just to give you a little bit of edge. I don't care about that. Twitching the leg, you know, it should be a false start, obviously, but Hutchinson was on him pretty much all game and he was used to it. He's not going to jump off sides from a leg twitch after, you know, going against him like 10 times in a row. He sees it the thing. But the biggest problem I had was his alignment being so deep because lining that far back is just such a huge advantage. You have that extra split second to anchor yourself and prepare for their move. And, you know, you could easily just like force them inside and then it's easy to double team a guy like that. So that was the biggest problem that I had. That alignment has to be moved up. You got to be on the line of scrimmage as a tackle. Even David Bakhtiari from the Packers said that he's like, this is pretty bad. Like you can't, like, how are they letting this go? And so if a, a guy in our division is, is on our side, um, and plays the position, you know something's really messed up there. The spoiler alert, he's my burning bag, but for exactly what you said, just the alignment, uh, if you look at the rule, it says their helmet's supposed to like go through the waist of the center. He was like very clearly behind the center's entire body for most of any of their, their passing downs. Um, and also... Uh, what you were saying about him rocking, I guess apparently they changed the rule to if they're in a two-point stance, they're allowed to, quote, like, adjust before the snap. So that's how he's able to not have that even be something that's probably likely to be called at all. Um, and I, I, the last thing is I went, I looked at a couple of uh, videos of his, like, his, the, looks to be false starts and going frame by frame i gotta give it to him like it was literally the exact frame that the ball moved was the exact frame that he started moving so his timing is amazing but yeah the the formation is just illegal you can't get around that yeah and and i don't think that there's anything wrong with him timing it but there were a couple of times he was early that it didn't get called that's all i'm saying so you know good on him it was a good matchup i mean he held hutchinson to no sex he's a great pass protector but he definitely took advantage of that uh that crew not making those calls so i'm not i'm not gonna use it as like an excuse or anything like some chiefs fans or you know not, well not really chiefs fans more like national media who are making these excuses for the lions win but i'm just saying we didn't necessarily have everything working in our favor either so just keep that in mind haters uh ben johnson i thought that he could have called a better game though um in the first half, we were terrible on third down, but bounced back in the second. Um, and we kind of struggled to get the run game going. We didn't have any of those explosive plays. But at the same time, when you're getting pressured like that, sometimes you just have to take the underneath short stuff and let our, our playmakers make something happen. Aaron Glenn, I think, was the coordinator of the game, though, because our secondary was great. Like I said, it's a huge difference from last year. There was occasionally some holes in the zone, but it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to hold them to zero completions the whole game. Containment, obviously, you know, that's a problem. That's something to keep an eye on. It might be lingering from last year. 
Um, but I really do think that it's just Mahomes being special. Holding the Chiefs to 20 points in their home opener the night they reveal their Super Bowl banner is about as impressive as it gets. We stopped the run. We stopped the pass. Only 90 rushing yards. 45 of those came from Mahomes and 226 passing. That's going to go down as one of Mahomes' worst games of the year. So hats off to Aaron Glenn and the game plan that he schemed. Yeah, absolutely. Our our secondary was was flying. It's like a night and day difference from last year. You can just tell that we spent resources in upgrading those positions because it just looks like a completely different defense with how fast those guys are moving out there. Well, I think that's going to do it for the uh, the Chiefs re- recap. How do we do there, Belly? Fantastic job, boys. Thank you. Well, we had to embellish a little bit. I mean, it's not every day that you beat the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's our time now. Let's wrap it up with some game balls, and we'll hand out a burning bag of dog shit. Starting with Belly. We haven't heard from you in a while. I want to hear your gorgeous voice again. Who's getting your game ball for this week? Well, the game ball for the Lions, without a doubt, is Kadarius Doney's Tony's palms. He looked like he forgot how to play football entirely. Um, not saying it would have changed the game, but it definitely would have helped the Chiefs' cause. And thanks for dropping it for the old Detroit Nation. Kadarius Tony's left and right. Love you, Tony. All right, John, what about your game ball? I just wanted to give it to the rookies. Uh, they all, I mean, all of our like top-round rookies made meaningful plays throughout the game uh, and all look like they're really on track to be big impact players for us yeah all around honestly we got a lot of production out of them i agree what about you Bosch? Uh, i'm gonna get my game ball we just went over it but i'm gonna give it to aaron glenn um there was a point last year where people were calling for his head uh, but i feel like in the second half of the season we kind of fixed some of the issues and the defense looked a lot better um, but this is one of his best games as a DC. I think the Chiefs went 0 for 7 on third down in the second half. Um, so game ball, the Mr. Aaron Glenn. Dan Campbell stuck his neck out for him and vouched for him, and now we're seeing it pay dividends. I'm going to give my game ball to the man of the show on defense. That's Aiden Hutchinson. No sacks, but he needs some recognition because, like you said, Bowshot, he was absolutely relentless, given Mahomes fits all game. I said that was going to be the key to victory. That's upsetting Mahomes, and we did that. It might not have been perfect. You know, he definitely got away with some plays, but you're not going to be perfect against Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if there's no sacks on the record. He had seven hurries, and that's fine with me. So, Aiden Hutchinson, you got my respect and my game ball. Now, on to the burning bags of dog shit. Everybody's favorite, Belly, who's getting your burning bag? I didn't really have one, so I just kind of doubled down and said Chiefs receivers dropping every fucking pass. They looked terrible out there. I wouldn't give it to really anybody on the Lions because they did their job. All right. Respect it. I guess Chiefs receivers get the game ball and the burning bag. That's fine. <laughs> All right, John, what about you? Uh, I kind of mentioned it before, but um, the refs for not calling the illegal formation by Jawan Taylor all game. I kind of get, you know, if he didn't call it three minutes into the game, how can he call it 50 minutes into the game? But it's going to be frustrating when it's probably addressed in their weekly meetings and then we see it get called next time he does it. Okay, good call. 
And I see Bosch just making a last minute change, and that is excellent. Mm-hmm. Go with your burning yep. bag, Bosch. That's perfect. Yeah. I'm glad I, I didn't. This kind of just just popped in my mind. I feel like I was going to do Marvin Jones, but we already talked about him. He's my guy. He's a vet. Uh, but my burning bag is going to go to Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico. Um, that booth was so fucking annoying, dude. They, I mean, Chris Collinsworth is already a little bit of a cocksucker. He just kind of. <laughs> He just rides the, you know, Mahomes and Brady. Joe Burrow and any of the guys, yep. the top dogs, Brady, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. just like, just never shuts up about him. And Mike Tirico, like anything but give the Lions credit. Um, there's always, you know, he literally said there's an asterisk, and I think that's just such an absurd thing to say, especially in the NFL. Um, I was just getting, so, like, I know Belly's probably laughing at us because we always think everyone's against the Lions and all this shit, but. They were like, I felt like that one was extraordinarily bad. Like they wanted to do anything but give the Lions credit for going into Arrowhead, which I feel like we haven't really mentioned that much either, that this was at Arrowhead, which isn't an easy place to win and came home with a W. So fuck those two. I agree. Mike Tirico, especially. How can you as a professional sports broadcaster suck the team's dick that hard and then just totally shit on the Lions? We won a game in Arrowhead. Like, who cares? I've never heard that said my entire life watching football. This game has an asterisk because players are injured. Okay. Like that, that's ridiculous. So you're spot on there, man. I'm mad. I did not think of that one myself, but for my burning bag, I had a couple of options here. They seem to all have been taken. I'm just going to go with Marvin Jones because there's no sugar coating it. It was a bad game for him. First career fumble. It happened on the goal line, a critical time for us. You know, you can't have that. Um, He's usually as steady as they come. He had the couple of drops, but I don't think it's time to call it quits on Marvin Jones. He still is a valuable asset, and he had a bad game. Everybody has him. Let's move on to next week. We got out with the win, so I'm not mad at him. Marv, you can stay. I still love you. All right, that's going to do it for our game balls and burning bags of dog shit. It's been a great weekend celebrating. I went to a wedding this weekend, and I think every single individual I talked to asked me about it. I tried to save as much as I could for the podcast here and not overdo it. But honestly, I'm kind of sick about talking about this game. I am ready to move on to next week. Let's talk about week two. Seahawks of Seattle are coming to Detroit to take on the Lions. It's Sunday, September 17th at 1 p.m. We've got our first Sunday football game of the year. Seahawks dropped to the Rams last week. They are 0-1. They lost 30-13 to in Seattle. You know, normally those 12s are going and they have that home field advantage. Everyone thought the Rams were going to be, uh, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL. But Matthew Stafford, he got it done with no Cooper Cup, not a whole lot of weapons of note. I mean, Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua were able to both go off for 100-plus yards. So, you know, he did something with nothing as four-and-a-half-point dogs. Being the Seattle at home, I mean, it's tough. So uh, Lions open up as five and a half point favorites. The over under is set at 50 and a half. And I alluded to this a little earlier in the show, but last time we played the Seahawks, I think everyone can remember just a year ago, we lost 48 to 45 in Detroit. Me, Bosch, and John were all at that game together just kind of randomly. Not going this year, unfortunately, but I'm hoping for a different result. It was a fun one while it lasted, but we really should have had that W there, and I'm thinking that we have a, a good shot this time around. Well, guess what? I just got a text while recording 
that I am going to the game oh, for my shit. birthday. No way. Yeah. Oh, let's go. Hell yeah, yeah. man. Congrats. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Raha's working, so I have, to... I have two tickets, so... Oh. Got... Cool. Well, you yeah. know who you're bringing yet, or... <laughs> uh i got Pressure. i got one person that i have in the hopper and then we'll see corp okay well just let me know who they are and you know i'll just break their kneecaps or something and you know we'll have a good weekend the home opener is gonna be it's gonna be electric i feel like the the buzz is already there but i feel like ford field's just gonna explode this first home opener i i saw a tweet that uh Last year against the uh, Commanders, I think it got up to like a record 126 decibels, and so 126.1. I might be wrong on that. Is the the record to beat? I think that it's going to be shattered, man. We are so hype after that mm-hmm. win. This is a, a rematch too against the Seahawks. I mean, we've got some uh, some bad blood against this team just with our history. You know, knocking us off of, out of the playoffs. We have that. Uh, Alvin Johnson fumble safety touchback kind of thing that happened a couple of years back too. So I do not like the Seahawks. I liked a lot of their players, but not when they play Detroit this week is not going to be any different, but a pretty similar team from last year, at least offensively Geno's back as year two for the starter. Um, he did not look very good against the Rams and the Rams other than Aaron Donald lost a lot of key pieces on defense uh, Seattle got shut out in the second half after leading 13 to seven at halftime over the Rams. So a lot of that's kind of on Gino. I think they only had the ball for like four minutes and some seconds. I, I saw they had like something like three yards the whole half, like something. It was like egregiously bad. Yeah. No way. That's crazy. It was disgusting. They were, they were controlling the game in the first half. I think it was 13 to seven or something like that. They had a, a decent, you know, one score lead at least, I think. But um, I mean, they really could not do anything in the second half and Stafford carved well, them up. Well, yards in the second half. Yeah, it, it was not a good showing for them, especially in Seattle too. So, and it's kind of surprising because the Seahawks had a very solid offense last year and not a lot has changed. I mean, they did lose some offensive linemen. We'll get into that in a little bit here, but first let's talk about their running backs. We got Kenneth Walker, fellow Spartan. K9 had a pretty good game rushing and receiving. I mean, rushing mostly. He had 12 carries for 64 yards. Four catches for three yards receiving. So obviously they're going to utilize him in the passing game. Wasn't able to make any like big runs or anything off of that, but very consistent. He's got power. He's shifty. Uh, the Seahawks were kind of just playing from behind in the second half. There's really not a lot they could do offensively at all. Zach Charbonnet is their uh, rookie from this year coming from UCLA. He only had three carries for 11 yards. A lot of people were worried about, and at least for fantasy, Charbonnet and Walker being in a timeshare, but it looks like it's K-9's backfield. Charbonnet is potentially going to take away some goal line work. He's more of that bruiser type running back. Um, and then when it comes to receivers, this is the real threat on the team. You got DK Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett, and you got Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think that's probably the best receiving trio in the entire NFL. I mean, I guess you got the the Bengals too. I love me some Jackson Smith mm-hmm. and Jigba. And if he's your wide receiver three, I mean, geez, man, it is a tough task, even though, you know, our defensive backs have been overhauled and we're looking good. It's going to be a tough matchup for us. I think that's going to kind of uh, highlight the importance of getting pressure on Gino, that he doesn't have time to run through his progressions. 
because one of those three guys is, you know, you give Gino enough time, one of those three guys is getting open. Yeah, I feel like this this game, going into this game, it feels like the the exact opposite of week one, where week one is all on Mahomes with no weapons. To me, I'm still not a Geno Smith believer. Um, he, I feel like he had, it took him 10 years to get one good year. Um, I feel like he's going to, and he had a great year last year. I'm not trying to discount that. I just feel like he's going to regress back down a little bit to the mean. And so this game is going to be about having the they have the weapons do they have the quarterback to to throw it to them and like you said john if we can get pressure on it we can take that away so i went back today and kind of watched the tape um but all really gino wants to do is dump it off short and let his playmakers make something happen i mean he had one really nice throw to dk metcalf it was mostly really just a good route by dk he kind of had like a, a little shake route like pretended to go in for a slant and then just kind of faded outside and then just had a wide open touchdown catch. But he's always going to be a threat. He had three catches for 47 yards last week. There was one play that I saw. I was watching on red zone, um, but he just decked this. I think it was a cornerback, maybe just a total cheap shot, blindside hit. Probably just going to be a fine. I doubt we'll get a suspension out of that, but that was dirty for sure. I do like the player, but I mean, man, that was uh, that was grotesque. That was not cool at all. Yeah, that was that was weird. It just was like, what are you doing? They're not happening to any lions, sir. He's dead to me. He had a touchdown that game. What was he so pissed off about? It was in the second half. Yeah, damn, dude. Exactly. He's chill. pissed because he's losing. We're getting fucked up. I mean, Tyler Lockett. He's been one of the best receivers in the NFL the past, you know, five years. He's a little bit older now, um, but he's still very productive. Just a very reliable target for them in the red zone for a first down. I mean, he can do it all, but he did leave the game in the third quarter, got checked out for a concussion. He didn't come back to the game, but apparently he did clear protocol. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Even if he's not there, like I said, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was one of my favorite, actually was my favorite receiver in this entire draft. And, you know, with Lockett and DK, it's tough for him to get a big target share. Um, If Lockett's out, I mean, keep an eye on him. Even if all three of those guys are good to go, you got to keep an eye on him because he could easily take over the game and, you know, do what DK or Tyler Lockett can do. So just because he's the wide receiver three, do not discount that. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the uh, offensive line because the Seahawks had some injuries against the Rams and Isaac already alluded to it, but uh, their left tackle, Charles Cross, was carted off the field with a big toe injury. He was their first round pick, a top 10 lineman selected in the 2022 draft. Doesn't seem like it's going to be a long-term issue, but we know with Frank Rag now, those toe injuries can nag at you and, you know, make it tough for you to to get through, you know, one foot on that toe, one cleat. I mean, it could just be too much pain. And when you have to anchor against a 300-pound lineman barreling at you, if it's a Charles Harris, it's a, if it's an Aiden Hutchinson, it's not going to be a fun time. So he could be benched. You know, he might be able to tough through it. But Abraham Lucas is another guy. He's their starting right tackle. He got pulled just due to soreness in his knee. It, the knee injury didn't happen in the game. But apparently it was an issue that was popping up through training camp. And then after the game, he felt very sore. So with a knee injury, I don't know if they're going to want to risk it when you're going against a juggernaut like the Detroit Lions. You may as well just bench him and take the L. That's what I say. And we got Evan Brown coming back, too. Uh, He signed with Seattle this offseason. He's their starting center. Um, But the tackles are kind of the the big storyline for them. Defensively, they got Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon 
likely coming back. Both of them did not play against the Rams. Um, they're hopeful that they're going to be available, but keep an eye on that. Tariq Woolen was one of the top rookies last year. He's their cornerback. Uh, had a great year. Quandre Diggs, he's still living, still making plays. He's playing more like that free safety role. Um, they've got edge rushers dealing with injuries, Boye Mafe and Uchenna Nuoso. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, Draymond Jones was the big signing this offseason. He came over from the Broncos. And then Bobby Wagner's back in town, and him and Jordan Brooks are arguably the, the best linebacker tandem in the league. Overall, it's a very solid defense, but just a little bit banged up. Um, hopefully we'll get a little bit more injury luck here, and we can pull out another win week two. So let's hop into Corb's keys to victory here, starting with rattling Geno Smith. John, you mentioned it earlier, but when we give Geno time to make something happen, that's what's going to cause us issues. He does like these short little dump-off passes. So we need to have a good four-man rush and have our linebackers and defensive backs drop into coverage. If we can get pressure on him with a hobbled offensive line, pressure him and then keep as many guys in coverage as possible, I think that's going to be the best way to do it. Uh, last year, we were blitzing Geno a lot, and we got absolutely torn up. I remember there was one cover zero play that went for a touchdown last season. So I think he's most susceptible if we're starting to pressure um, with those tackles out. Not the deep ball guy likes that short stuff. Just keep the ball in his hands. Try and force the shortest pass possible and stay in front of those playmakers. You know, if they're they're going to get completions, but we have to limit the yak because that's really where their offense finds some production. So defense has to go with that bend, don't break mentality. Hold us and hold them to some field goals, you know, stop them on third down. That's kind of stuff. I just stay in front of those wide receivers and don't let them get those big plays on us, make them chip away and, you know, put this game on Gino's shoulders and make him have to put the team on his back. Don't leave it in the hands of the playmakers. And offensively, I think we just really have to take care of the ball. Goff's done a great job at that. We didn't really have a lot of big plays against the Chiefs um, other than the Brian Branch touchdown. You know, that was defensive. So offensively, I think we're going to get Gibbs a lot more involved, use him a little bit more of as a as a weapon. I mean, Ross St. Brown is very steady for that underneath stuff, um, but he's going to command a lot of attention. So we need our other playmaker, and that's Gibbs. Oh, oh, there was one more key, Corbin. You in the seat next to me on Sunday. Would you like to go? Really? I'm almost positive. Yes. Let me check with oh, I need right, permission. But yeah, I'm fucking down. Let me check with the dogs. Oh. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. You're in. Oh my god. All right. Yes, I'm 90 percent sure. I'm gonna say yes. Worst case, I'll just say no. <laughs> but it, I mean that's but no. I'm the in. worst case 100%. is somehow you access the tickets and sell them out from under me. Oh, no. You can hold on to those, buddy. Don't you worry about it. I'm fucking pumped. Let's go, baby. Let's go. That's sick. All right, let's get into some predictions then. Man, now that I got this ticket, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Your voice has got to give us another two-point bump. I guess so, man. I'm going to have to do it, but I was kind of pulling for the under, but now I want the over to hit. The one-sided over. All right, Belly, what do you think for this, uh, this score here? I'm going to go with 24-21 Lions inch out the victory. Wow. Belly takes the Lions. Is that the first time ever? Are no, you starting that's to believe? not the first time ever. This year, fellas. Mm, I don't know, Bell. 
Getting a little tingle in your dingle there? You got a little bit of that pride coming uh, in? No. Still just uh, working my way through the weekend. Trying not to throw up today. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take it. He predicts a win. What about you, John? I also have us going in and getting a win. Uh, the I think they got us bumped up to giving six points now. So I have us winning 31 to 20. A little bit more than that. Almost feels conservative. Yeah, that's true. I know. I'm starting to think mine over again, too, now. What about you, Bo Shot? What you got? I'm fully drinking the Kool-Aid here, fellas. Uh, week one, let's overreact to everything. We're going to destroy them. They looked like shit against the Rams. Uh, I got the Lions 34-10. I like it, honestly. I didn't have the balls to do it that much, but I like your prediction here. I got the Lions 27-14. That's a clean sweep. Belly and the Fish, guests and hosts all agree. Lions are taking this dub. May 27 to 14. I just don't see the Seahawks being able to do much. Our defense is much better than the Rams. Our offense had a decent outing against the Chiefs, but I think that we're really going to bring it to them in the home opener here. I think Ben Johnson's going to want to put on the show for Detroit. And John, let's be there to enjoy it, baby. All right. Get permission from your girlfriend. She's going to say yes. You can't turn me down. Well, it's for my birthday. Okay. Good call. Nah, I'll get her. I can schmooze her pretty easily. Don't you worry about it. We'll get it done. Consider it done. But let's wrap it up. I don't want to think about the Seahawks Lions anymore. I might change these picks right here. Let's get into but 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 betting with the belly. Quick thing, we thought we came up with a good punishment, but someone voted against it. So we're going with something new. We're gonna do the nine dogs, nine beers, nine innings challenge, courtesy of Bo Shots recommendation. Uh, to recap, last week we got Corbin going four and zero. He had Eagles as the favorite, Packers as the dog, the Dolphins, Chargers over, and the Ravens, Texans under. Good work. Hot lead at four and zero. Moving on to myself, I went 2-2. Two and two. I got the Bengals as the favorite wrong and the over for the Titans-Saints wrong as well. Uh, I got the Raiders plus four right as well as the Bucks vikings under. For Johnny Boy, he got the Vikings and the Cowboys-Giants over incorrect and hit on the Dolphins as a dog and the Rams on the Seahawks on the under. Moving right into this week, we want to hear about your picks, Corbin, with your favorite. Go ahead. I'm going to take the Lions minus five and a half versus the Seahawks. This is a last second change here. I took the Chiefs minus two and a half, had my whole spiel out to go, but I'm going straight from the hip right now. We're taking the Lions at home. How can they be stopped? Hop on the wagon. Fucking Seahawks aren't shit. We're going to shut them down. Maybe actually like 40 to zero. Like my prediction might be off folks, but I pound an alternate minus nine and a half spread for the Lions. Did you say you pounded minus nine and a half alternate just now? That's crazy. I, would. I think it's going to be a blowout. We've got a great defense. Our offense is going to have something to prove. And I really think that we're built different from last year. We couldn't really stop the their playmakers from getting shit done with the ball in their hands. And now our secondary I, I know. is short up for a different team than the Rams. You've, you've made it known. I'm just excited. <laughs> All right, moving on to... Moving on to my favorite, I got the 49ers minus 7 against the Rams. The 49ers just look really fucking good right now, so why not? And Corbin wanted me to remind you per our script that I'm dumb and I puked four times on the golf course. But I also did make three 20-footers, so suck it, Corb. Moving on to John's favorite. Hit me with it. 
Oh, just trying to find it because there's two fucking green labels. You, oh, wait. Do I still have editing privileges? There you go. Now you're fucking yellow. Oh, no. I just saved that so I could make that joke. Anyways. Sick. Um, my favorite for this week uh, is going to be Chargers giving three and a half points at Ben's Tennessee Titans. Uh, Titans did not look very good last week. Chargers put up a hell of a lot of points. They just got outscored by the Dolphins. So. Yeah, the Titans are utter dog shit right now yet again. Moving on to Isaac. Tell me about your favorite. I got the Giants minus four at the cards. Um, the Giants just got demolished on Sunday Night Football, embarrassed in front of the country. I think this is a bury the tape game. They made the playoffs last year, and they're going to be going up against one of the favorites for the number one overall pick. The line should probably be higher than minus four, so I'm taking the Giants. All right, and that's going to wrap up the favorites. Corbin, hit me with your dog. Oh, woof, man. This one was tougher, honestly. I feel like there's a lot of close games this week, but I like what I saw last week when the Colts took on the Jaguars, and they are one-point underdogs going to take on the Houston Texans. Texans are a scrappy team, too. I like them. Um, They did kind of get the shit kicked out of it by the Ravens. They weren't able to do much on offense, and the Colts' defense looks actually pretty good. Anthony Richardson has had a surprising good first start as a rookie. I think that he's a, I mean, he made great throws. He can get it done in the air and on the ground. So he can throw, he can pass, he can run, he can rush. Give me Anthony Richardson and the Colts plus one. All right, moving on to my dog. I'm going to let him burn me again. I got the Titans plus three versus the Chargers. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen there, but why not hit the home team getting points? Moving on to John. Hit me with your dog. Uh, I just want, Corbin, did you say woof on purpose? Because that was hilarious. Yeah, I did. God, I was hoping you didn't. Anyways, my dog is the Commanders uh, getting three and a half points at the Broncos. I'm a little surprised by that. Commanders came out and got a, a win. Broncos took a, a loss to a not very good Raiders team. So I feel pretty good about them as an underdog. I mean, lose by a field goal and I'm good. And to wrap up the dog, hit me with one, Isaac. This is I'm, I kind of feel the same as Corb. Um, I didn't really like a lot of the dogs this week, but uh, I'm going with the Raiders plus nine and a half at the Bills. Obviously, we haven't seen the Bills play yet as we're recording this before Monday Night Football. Um, but nine and a half is a lot of points, and I thought Jimmy G um, and that offense looked pretty okay against a good Broncos defense. That is quite a bit of points. Not a bad pick. Moving on to the over, Corb. I'm taking the Dolphins Patriots over 46. Everybody saw that Dolphins Chargers offensive onslaught. Tyreek Hill is absolutely incredible. There's nothing that the Chargers could do to stop him. And they actually have a pretty decent secondary too. Um, And to tell you the truth, the Patriots offense actually looked all right as well. Mac Jones was getting it done. Their defense helped them out a lot, but they kept it close with the Eagles. I had the Eagles to cover last week, and it got scary towards the end there. So I could see both of these teams putting up some points. Um, Dolphins don't have the best defense, and they have a fantastic offense. So that spells points to me. Very nice. Yeah, moving on to my over-under, I've got the Bengals-Ravens in an interdivision battle. Uh, Over 45 and a half, we're going to see if Joey B can bounce back from that shit performance he had this past week. John? My over is uh, 49ers Rams, 44 and a half. Uh, I don't don't know, man. That's all we needed. (laughs) 
<laughs> I say every week I am just so bad at over unders, and you just saying that completely took my confidence out of my pick. So, which means it's probably gonna hit. So, trust your gut. And to wrap it up, Sir Isaac. Uh, I'm going Colts Texans over 40. Um, I think both uh, two rookie quarterbacks. 40 is kind of a low number. I think there's going to be some defensive touchdowns in this game. That's going to get some quick scores. All right, I don't hate it when it's a low number and just going for it. All right, moving on, Corbin. This one's interesting. No, I had this one before, but I still do like it realistically, honestly, because I'm taking the Lions Seahawks under 50 and a half. I'm rooting for points, but I don't want to get to another shootout like last year said it before our defense has drastically improved i don't think seattle's going to break 20 on us and i could see the lions scoring 20 to 30 that's under 50 and a half so mathematics under sitting that does add up um for myself i have the falcons packers under 41 and a half um fun fact drake london did not catch a single ball in the falcons win um, they're just a running team, so I just feel like the Falcons are going to keep milking that clock as they trek down the field. Um, nothing other really than that. So under 41 and a half, book it. Moving on, John, what do you got? A Saints-Panthers or under 41. Uh, Panthers offense just looked really bad. Bryce Young, I mean, I know it was his first game, but I mean, Saints aren't likely to put up too many points without Kamara, in my opinion. and. So, yeah, take the under on that one. What is Ben's words spoken during Belly and the Fish under 69? Oh, just taking the under on words you're going to speak throughout any given episode. Well, good thing we have this segment. Oh, yeah, I was, I was just yeah. going to say, uh, uh-huh. but I, you started, this segment started, I was like, ah, oh, man, I'm going down in flames. Pick, moving on, John, what you got? I've been petitioning for Tuesdays after vacations since the dawn of time, but no, we got to get it out by Tuesday night. All right, wrapping it up. Under, Isaac. Uh, give me the Commanders-Broncos under 39. Um, the Commanders struggled to score against the Cardinals. Um, Broncos offense still struggling to break 20 points. Um, I see this as a sloppy game. That's not going to be a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of talent out there on the field. That's going to wrap up betting with the belly. Now we're moving on to our Survivor League update. Belly, back to you. Yeah, so it was a typical week one where a lot of teams that we thought were going to win ended up not. As part of the whole pool update, we started with between like 70 and 75. I think I counted maybe 15 down earlier, so there's 60 left. So best of luck to everybody the rest of the way. To recap our picks, we have Corbin and John with the Commanders, which they had a big fourth quarter to uh, bring out that win, and then my pick was the Ravens, who handled the Texans, but I did have two entries, so I'm kind of bouncing around. But we're rolling right into this week. Who do you got, Corb? Taking the 49ers this week. I watched Red Zone for the majority of Sunday, but at first I just had the Steelers 49ers on, and holy shit, that offense is so good. And what The only thing that's better is their defense. I thought that Steelers were going to be solid this year, and they really could not get shit going against the 49ers, man. I mean, it was an absolute ass-kicking. So uh, Steelers are taking on the Rams this week. Uh, Matthew Stafford did a great job against the Seahawks, but the 49ers have had the Rams number these past few years. So I'm going to take the 49ers in Los Angeles, getting another road win. 
Very good. And John, what about you? Uh, for this week, I went with the Saints over the Panthers. Panthers just looked really bad last week, so I'm hoping to squeak one out with a, with a not-so-good team. Yeah, for myself, I'm just going track record. Um, Bills over the Raiders, like uh, we said earlier, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. It's a pretty decent spread. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in their barn, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, Isaac, do you, do you have any news to share? <laughs> yeah, um, Kirk Cousins fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, dead. Took the Vikings over the Bucks and got shafted week one. I basically just took $20 and lit it on fire. Um, if I had to make a pick, I'd probably also go with the 49ers. That is going to wrap up the Survivor Pool segment. All right, John. Well, we're moving on to Fantasy Survivor. You want to go over the picks from last week or just the, the total points we got here? Or just to recap, so we're going to do weeks 1 through 16. Uh, you pick one player per position, one quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And only use them once for the season, and it's PPR. So Corbin had Justin Herbert versus Miami, put up a very respectable 20.92. Kenneth Walker versus the Rams, uh, 10.7. Amon Ra versus Kansas City, nice 19 points. And then Hawk versus Tampa Bay, 11.5. Pretty respectable for 62.22 points. Ben had Justin Fields versus the Pack, uh, still squeaked out 14.5 points. Austin Eckler versus the Dolphins. His two touchdowns helped Ben get 26 points and also won me some money this weekend. Or no, sorry, his one, his first touchdown. I, I also bet Tyreek Hill two touchdowns in that game. Uh, he had Amon Ra versus Kansas City as well, 19 points, and Hawk, so kind of mirroring some of uh, Corbin's picks there. Total of 71.54. Goff versus Kansas City. He had 14.2. Saquon with 9.3, Tyreek versus the Chargers with 44.5, and, a half. and uh, I picked Mark Andrews before he was out, so I got zero out of him. Well, Tyreek made up for it. Yeah, he did. 67.82. The, the real killer is that I don't get to use Mark Andrews again. Uh, so, Corbin, you want to do your picks this week? Yeah, so this week, quarterback, I'm going with Brock Purdy against the Rams. Like I said, it's my survivor pick. I was actually pretty impressed with Purdy. I wasn't a big fan of him coming in, but he's proven me wrong, and he's got some great weapons, so I expect some good play with him coming into this week. Running back, I'm taking Derrick Henry against the Chargers. We all saw them get exposed uh, defensively through the air. Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill didn't have the best game, but – Eric Henry, I mean, he's they're going to run him until the wheels fall off, so I'm going to take him now before they do. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be my pickup wide receiver taking on the Chargers too. That's kind of, you know, goes along with what I said about the uh, Chargers defense. Tyreek Hill torched him. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins got a bunch of targets from Tannehill. I expect the same. And then Darren Waller going to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Uh, Giants don't have a lot of weapons. Daniel Jones looked like hot garbage uh, last night taking on the Cowboys, but a much softer defense and a better matchup for him this week. I think he's going to get a lot of targets this game, and they're going to open up their offense a bit. All right. I, we share at least one pick this week, but before that, how about you, Ben? Yeah, uh, I just kept it simple. I like the matchup for both the Eagles and the 49ers. So I got Jalen Hurts, Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Brown, and George Kittle to increase my lead. 
It's always hard to decide with the Eagles. Are you going to go A.J. Brown or Devontae any given week? Um, so my picks this week, quarterback, I got Trevor Lawrence versus Kansas City. Running back, Bijan versus Green Bay. Hoping that uh, he's just nice and fresh and keeps doing what he's doing. Lamar versus Baltimore, hoping for a big bounce back game there. And then Aaron Waller versus Arizona because, wow, you start to look at uh, 16 tight ends to pick from, and it gets tough real quick. So I just try to save a couple. We'll be stumbling through end of the year, I feel like, for tight ends. So may as well get them on unless they go down with an injury is the way I see it. A little strategy. Yeah, that'll lock in our fantasy survivor picks. Let's move on here to the bowels of the belly. This week it appears to be something about the TSA. I'm intrigued. So, yeah, uh, it could have been the story about that I brought up about me puking on the golf course all day. But you know what? That's what happens when you have a weekend wedding trip and you start drinking on Thursday because you also have a work golf outing. The wheel's just three days in a row. I can't do it anymore. It's just not in me. Um, but anyway, before this trip even started, uh, like I said, I had a golf outing with my work. And I'm apparently the only one who wanted to drink a beer at 7 a.m. at the golf outing. And so I proceeded to have six and everybody else had zero. So I had a nice little buzz going into the airport. Um, but when I get in the airport, I'm kind of coming down off that drunk. So I'm just kind of like, get me on the damn plane and then just get me to my destination. And typically, I normally wear like these golf shorts when I'm traveling because jeans get a little too spicy on the plane and I start sweating my ass <laughs> off. And that just, that's no fun. Um, I'm not a guy for a middle seat based on my body type, if I'll put it that way. Um, so anyway, I wore some basketball shorts this time and I don't even remember, just probably some dumb Hawaiian shirt. Um, anyway, I go through, you know, you put your arms up, you go in that little cylinder and they do that x-ray thing that sprinkles around you. I don't know if you've ever looked back, there's a little diagram of a person and it like, it'll Mm -hmm. flash yellow where you ping off. And my picture just has a big yellow circle right on my beanbag and right on my taint from the front and the back. And I'm looking at the guy and he's looking at me like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm like, ooh, that's not a good spot. Not a laugh out of this guy. Not a peep. He doesn't think it's he doesn't think I'm funny at all. I'm like, ooh, tough, ooh, tough crap. (laughs) So then there's this there's this lady that also got pinged that's like sitting in a chair next to me. So I am buzzing, little hungover, whatever you want to call it. This lady's sitting down next to me because she's got to go get frisked for God knows what. So then she gets up and I'm like, "Hey, can I sit there?" And he and like I like thinking he was gonna say yes, like no problem. Like I start to lean in to sit down. And he's like, "Absolutely not." And I was like, "Oh, tough guy." <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Okay." So then uh, we walk over to like the mats where there's little yellow things to like put your feet on. And he goes, "Do you need me to explain it to you?" I just go ahead, get it done. <laughs> move on with it already and he's like okay and he he's explaining like the back of your hand thing i don't think i've ever gone off off in that region before but they get up in there man holy shit (laughs) you got a finger plunged in your gooch uh no not quite into the gooch he was gentle (laughs) he's a gentle it was a big old it was a big old like lift (laughs) a nice scoop of the boys oh yeah (laughs) But like I said, very gentle. It felt it felt okay, but I was just like, <laughs> "You <laughs> like, laugh." Oh, I'm getting frisked. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought it was so. You should have like moaned or something. Really, just pissed him off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would have been like, "Come with me, sir." Sorry, I'm sensitive. <laughs> so, uh, but as a follow up story, I have this one buddy. 
can't remember exactly which one of his friends was, but he says that they like his parents told my buddy this story that uh, that goes off every time for him just because he's got really big balls. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, so every time he goes through TSA, he gets popped, and they like have to check out his his ball bag. Was it a big rat? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's ask. Him. Uh, Joe knew someone, so you know Joe. One of his buddies' buddies or something, and then just the way he explains it, he's like, does he carry stuff? No, his balls are just really fucking big. Well, you should be happy with that compliment, Belly. Holy shit. So, How long did it take? Did you get out of there? Oh, yeah. They, he frisked me real quick. I mean, I was probably maybe four minutes from a cylinder to let go. Four minutes? Well, yeah, I walked through the cylinder, and then I had to wait <laughs> I thought for you were a, talking uh, about, like, <laughs> from, like, Shaft of balls. Yeah. Oh, no, that would be funny if he did give me a four minute. Uh, it was quick. Rub. Four no, minutes. Dude. Let me just double check real quick. <laughs> so I, I guess the question is, like, have you guys ever had a TSA story? No, never. Honestly, I've I've had nothing real, real bad. Um, I've, I've gotten stopped before by that, but it wasn't that it was like under my arms. Like he just had to pat me down. Yeah. Nope, I got right in the beanbag. I mean, I've had some bitches, you know, like people who just take their jobs too seriously, like dickheads that like won't let you sit down, you know, hard asses that take it too seriously. But I've never been frisked or cavity searched or anything like you. I didn't get cavity searched. (laughs) He asked for it, but they wouldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah, he said, he said, do you want a private room? And I said, no, cavity searched me right out here in the open. (laughs) Actually, move me out on the center stage. I want everybody to see this. (laughs) Do you guys have lights? Yeah, that's why I brought these rip-off pants. You need me to take my pants off? This is why I didn't wear the jeans, actually. I have these golf pants. They're really yeah, nice. That's Sorry, I'm a little sweaty. Basketball pants. Last time, uh, me and Raha were we were flying to Houston with our baby for the first time, and there was, like, two agents. One was a woman, and one was, like, a guy who was, like, probably in his 30s, and woman was like so nice and being so sweet and the guy's just being such a dick and the woman goes like oh don't worry guys i get it i have kids and the guy goes well i don't it's like okay dude (laughs) (laughs) i'm starting to think that almost all of tsa is just having a bad time yep Yep. Uh, it comes with the territory you got to be a dick to work for the tsa well that was a good one belly i like that one I don't know how this shit always happens to you, but somehow, some way, never fail to disappoint. You know, like, I wish I would have, like, kept a little journal for, like, those six weeks we were off. There was probably a bunch of shit in there, and I just don't remember. I'm sure you will have plenty more to tell us as we go. It seems to be uh, not too hard. No, no, I don't have have any trips for, like, 45 days, and just going to be relaxing, trying to not be so fucking fat. (laughs) Shenanigans, but you got a week to figure it out here, Bell, but... Wait, real quick. I did think about uh, just just hustling on some Uber driving for a little bit and seeing what I go- how it goes. What do you think of that? I think you could get some damn good stories for us. That's what I'm I, saying. I think I drove I think Uber just... and Lyft. It was kind of boring. I mean, I guess if you do it at like 2 a.m., then you will. No, I don't want to do it at 2 a.m. I don't want to deal with puke in my car. I was thinking more like if I'm not golfing, just a couple hours in the morning on weekends for, like, events. Uh, but... You're just going to get people going to work. That's all that happens. No, dude, it's Nashville, man. It's fucking, it's a different yeah, animal. Yeah, that's true. Different, yeah, different than Ann Arbor. People are partying all day. <laughs> like, every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. 
literally at all hours of the day. That's why I don't go to Broadway anymore. Yeah, you got to always have your side hustle, I feel like, Belly. And yeah, I mean, Uber's fine, but you know, once we hit like a million followers, a million listeners on the podcast, then you won't have to Uber anymore. So let's get some more listeners going so Belly won't have to be stuck in these monotonous side hustles anymore. Side hustles are a lot of fun. It's just more money. All right, well, let's get into our last segment of the night here. Belly, what you got for me? Back to everybody's least favorite segment, Corbin, how bad do you want it? Um, I don't know if you've been seeing the depths of the internet lately, but about a month or two ago, it came out with this one guy who spent like $15,000 on becoming a dog himself, and he looks literally just like a dog. And so um, I guess the question I have for you is, if the Lions win, would you do that for eight hours, or 40 hours a week for five years? I just have to wear a dog suit, basically, because I think that was fake. No, 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 no. You, I'll send you the link. You would literally have to, sorry, you have to act like a dog for eight hours. You can't talk. <laughs> when do you want to pee? You got to go outside. You got to drink from a bowl. What would like the what would Live the in a cage? <laughs> I can't curl up on the end of the bed. If you're being a little rowdy, it, it would be worse if you were my dog. <laughs> I couldn't be like a talking dog, like a Brian Griffin or something. Nope, literally, you could you could you could bark. Oh, how would the reversal process go? Like what forty hours? Like could I just sleep for forty hours as a dog? Um, yeah, but if you sleep like a human while you're in your sleep mode. It doesn't count as your hours. So if you end up <laughs> fully extended to a coffin, we we got to stop the clock. Well, I mean, how would I go about changing into a dog and back to a human every day? Uh, I'll send you the link to this guy's outfit. So I thought you said it was plastic surgery. No, 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 no. He's got a suit. So he's just got to wear a Oh, so I'm basically a furry for 40 hours a week. Yeah, but you think about it, you got to be on your hands and knees and you can't really communicate. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah, there you go. See, see, look, Corbin, you have, to, you, have to, you have to walk like around like that and have your ass <laughs> in the air. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I think I could do it. Like, if I did mostly sleeping and then on weekends, like, I could meet some cool new friends at conventions and stuff like that. Some people that might be long-lasting friends, most of them probably not. Yeah, I think this one, I could fucking do that. For five years, just wearing a dog costume 40 hours a week? Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's not even that. I think you guys are all nuts, but you can have that. I just get to <laughs> shit in the yard, and my girlfriend just has to pick up after me. Gives me some treats and some belly rubs. <laughs> like, there's some perks to being a dog. In your suit. Cor Corbin, <laughs> you're putting up 10,400 hours of dog. For a Lion yeah, Super Bowl, that's just time. Like, I, I could find some fun in it and some pleasure eventually. And also, I'm having some second thoughts about the kidney stones. I think I could. <laughs> I knew you would. You're uh, a fucking liar. Uh, <laughs> I think the dog one is not that bad. I would do that for uh, a Lion Super Bowl. Like, I could, could I dress up like a lion and be on the, the sideline? 
Sorry, I hate to bring it to you. A dog yeah. is not a lion. Yeah. yeah, I understand. I know. Uh, you should have made this full time for five years. Yeah. Uh, no, he won. He wouldn't be able to afford it. And there's no way Emma's going to be able to pitch that. Oh, not this, living in reality. This is my dog voice. Also, this fucking dog suit looks really shitty in this article. It doesn't even look real. And this guy spent like 20 grand Hold on, on it. Dude, you got to find the one of him walking. Man becomes dog. <laughs> you got to find the one of him walking. <laughs> Oh, okay. Hold on, I'm watching it right now. I'm watching a YouTube video. Corbin, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> this just looks like a fucking guy in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the videos. I just saw the pictures. Dude, I could go to the dog park and just troll some fucking kids too. <laughs> I've seen that. Like the furries dress up, and there's like a kid like petting it. And it's just some weirdo in a suit. <laughs> I would do that one. You just sleep five days a week for eight hours, and then boom, your time is served. Your weekends are off. And then there's bonus time too on the weekends. If I'm ever just alone, listen, I just your elbows and knees suit. would have to be bent the whole time. And you the shittiest like part there's is no the way. heat. I would need to find some ventilation in it because I am a very hot person. I'm very warm blooded. I get hot and sweat. That'd be the worst part about it. I guess it would have to do with the temperature, but. I can't even handle a mask on Halloween night, and that's it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I might, I like it cold, too. Air conditioning is a good way to combat it. In the winter, you have, like, a permanent coat on, essentially, so I wouldn't even have to worry about different layers. Yeah, I'll do this one. I'm taking it. One and one and oh. No lies, either. That'd be easy. Uh, no, it would not. You're full of shit. I mean, it would, it would be a big inconvenience, but it wouldn't be painful. It's just an inconvenience. I don't care about the embarrassment factor. The high self-esteem. Ugh, such a liar. What do you think? You guys can vote on it. Do you think I'm lying? Yes. I think you'd do it. I think he's telling the truth. I, don't, I think it's way harder than you think yeah. it would be, but I think you're telling the truth that you fully believe you could do it easily. It would be very inconvenient. You would do it for like a month and be like, this is easy, and then you would be like, yeah, it would suck. There's no... You'd probably, like, kill yourself, honestly. Oh, I wouldn't kill myself. I've got loving friends and family. There's no way. It's called unconditional love, man. And everybody loves the dogs. Everybody loves the dogs. You're like, yeah, I'd go to the dog park, and people are like, there's a guy in there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to break my hip, put me down, put me out of my misery. Oh, I think just crouching alone sounds awful. No, I'm taking the win on this one. Uh, you so full of shit well that's gonna do it for this week guys thanks for listening if you haven't already follow like subscribe and download on spotify apple Podcasts, and any other platform you listen to us on don't forget to leave us a review give us five stars follow us on twitter i'm at like corbyashi we also have the belly and the fish instagram and uh, twitter accounts going dm us or text us any ideas for some segments that you think would be cool please continue to spread the good word tell your friends family coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of we appreciate the love and support guys yeah i just want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank isaac for coming on and john as always and uh yeah look forward to providing some more content for you see you next week thanks fellas appreciate it it's my pleasure to be on i'll be on anytime love talking a little lion's ball all right corb this sunday I'll get permission. And just because of your kindness, I will dismiss you as a great host, John. With that said...